Hey, it's Pastor Brian, and this is such a special Sunday. It's Compassion Sunday at Pathway. And I get the opportunity today to tell you about their work, their ministry, and a trip that I was able to take with Compassion to Uganda back in June of this year. That was a special trip because of Compassion, but also because I was able to travel with my daughter, Hannah, who's 19. You'll hear from her in a minute. I just want to show you part of what we got to experience was what compassion does on the ground. Here's a picture of one of the pastors that we met. Uh, his church there is one of the compassion project centers in a village that's making a huge impact on almost 250 children in that particular area. It's amazing. As you think about that and what it means for you, I couldn't think of a better way for you to hear firsthand what this work is like than to hear it from Hannah. So I'm gonna turn it over to her now. Thanks, Dad. So as a 19-year-old, this was my first time going to a different continent, really traveling out of the country. So I didn't know what all to expect, what it would be like, if I would truly experience culture shock. Once I got there, it was a little nerve wracking. I was really anxious. After going to the first project and meeting all the children and interacting with all the people there, it helped calm my nerves a lot. And the people there are just so kind, very inviting, very friendly. We toured a few of their different facilities and a few different schools. And all in all, it was just a great experience. How I saw God at work in Uganda was in a few different ways. The biggest one for me personally was, so as I talked about my anxiety and being really nervous being there, I almost had a breakdown just halfway through the trip where I was just like, I can't do this, this isn't for me, this is just really scary, and just a lot of culture shock. The second day that we went to the one project, Karinga, the second I stepped out of the bus after feeling so anxiety-ridden and just nervous all morning, I just saw the kids that I had seen the day before and they all welcomed me with hugs and I was out there blowing bubbles with them and just sharing a meal with the kids and being able to sit with our two sponsor children, Jotham and Venetia, and just talking with them and their families and seeing how, just how different our lives are and how I might feel be feeling anxious just to be here or be out of a comfortable environment, but just being in their environment, seeing what they go through every single day and how happy they are, how just inviting and welcoming they were really helped me a lot. So going back to the children that our family sponsors, I currently sponsor a little girl named Venetia and my parents sponsor a little boy named Jotham. And I've sponsored other kids in the past, never got to meet them. But then by the end of the day, um, I got to meet her and I got to meet her mom and her new baby brother and just sit and talk with them. Then the second day that I saw her, we were sitting in the church and she was outside with her mom and I was just like, you know what, she's three. She wants to be with her parents and her friends. But then I look in the doorway and it was Venetia by herself. She had come to find us. She came in, sat on my lap and actually, like shown here, she fell asleep and took a nap on my lap for about an hour and I got to sit and talk with her mom and her dad and Jotham's family joined us. So it was just a really great experience. I mean, less than 1% of sponsors actually ever get to meet the child they're sponsoring. So I just feel really privileged that we got to do that. So to anyone who's thinking about sponsoring a child or they've been considering it for a while now, I would say just to do it. I mean, the impact that these projects have on the kids' lives is insane. The money is going to the project to help fund them being a part of the program. And just the resources they have access to, even in, in their adult years, because of the project, a lot of kids who were Compassion Children eventually can get hired at projects or be involved in ministry in their community. And so just the outpour of love that these kids get from all the people who are at the projects, whether it's a pastor, a teacher, a tutor, whatever it is, they just receive a lot of great resources there. Additionally, if $43 is something that you think you could make up extra every month, maybe it's taking out a meal or two out, taking a few coffees out of your budget, or even a nail appointment, then this is something that you could totally do. Um, or even if you just have 10 minutes a month to write a letter to a child, or even just be more intentional about your prayers. But all in all, thank you so much, Compassion, for this opportunity. I'm gonna hand it over to my dad now. Hey, wasn't that awesome? I love hearing firsthand stories like Hannah's of what it was like, not just to be there, but to consider sponsoring a child. And so as the morning goes on, you're gonna have more opportunities to just keep your heart and your mind open to the Lord and to ask the question, what is God asking me to do today to make a difference in the life of a child? Isn't that awesome? So good. Uh, 
I'll have my proud dad moment for a minute, right? Uh, so proud of her and uh, what an honor it was to be able to travel with her and uh, to just reflect on how our God really does care about all people in all nations. And uh, it's a Mission Sunday for us. We do this at least four times a year. And uh, you've probably noticed by now the theme is around compassion. And uh, that's the group we got to travel with. And uh, it was just amazing to be a part of. And, you know, before I get into more of the message and where we're going with this, I thinking about the time and space we live in right now, you know, God cares about pain as well. And we live in a really interesting time right now in our world where there is great difficulty, right? Not just in our own community, but in places like Maine where they're grieving loss and the church needs to be the church right now. In, in places like Israel where we've got to, to believe that the Messiah can be known there and he can bring salvation and peace to a very difficult situation. So I'm gonna just pray over those things and then pray over us as we get ready to go into God's word. Are you all here and ready? You're fired up? Like, come on. You, you could talk back, right? You could talk back. And uh, it's going to be a really good, life-giving morning. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that we can call on your name. God, I thank you for Hannah's story and the opportunity we had to travel and to be reminded that you are a God who loves across the kingdom, across the globe, This morning we lift up Maine and we pray that in the community grieving loss that you would be a great light, your love would be poured out, that your church there, uh, those that are gospel-centered would be blessed uh, in the grief to share you and the truth and the hope that they have and we have through you. And Father, we lift up the the war in Israel, the Middle East. God, we pray for uh, the protection of life. We pray for salvation, that Jesus, you would be known as the Messiah in the middle of what looks like a catastrophic mess. We ask that Jesus, we speak you over that situation. And we ask, Lord, that as you're made known, that there would be peace, real peace and protection and provision for those on both sides of the conflict. God, prevail over the enemy, the real enemy. And we thank you for what you're doing. Open our hearts and minds now to your word and to what you have for us today. May your life be poured out today through your word. You are life-giving, and we look to you now. In Jesus' name, everyone said? So in this series, Kingdom Living, uh, we are talking about what does it mean today to be life-giving. And You know, reflecting on Hannah's story at age 19 and what she got to be a part of, that's actually when my compassion story began. Uh, I was actually 19 years old. I began sponsoring a child. This was about 25 years ago. And uh, that act of, of giving and praying and writing letters to that child radically changed me, moved me uh, from a, a selfish individual to a more surrendered, to more open, compassionate individual uh, by God's grace. It's been a part of my story. I never imagined that someday I'd get to travel with my daughter and, and do that and see how it was impacting her. And the reason I've journeyed with compassion for 25 years and that I was excited, you know, when I came here three years ago, they told me that, hey, we partner with Compassion, and that Compassion had been here in 2019, the year prior to me arriving, I thought, I mean, that's awesome because this is a ministry I believe in. Uh, Compassion as a mission partner is gospel-centered. Jesus first. That is their greatest desire and goals to share the gospel. Amen? Secondly, they are local church-centered. So they believe that the hope of the world, Jesus, flows through his chosen vehicle, the local church, and they work through local churches in every community. And then from there, they're child-centered. They they impact the life of a child who they believe will then impact the family and all those around them. Uh, It's amazing how God uses them and does that. Now, as I said, you know, there's a posture that God had to change in my life, and this is what Jesus does. As we've been talking in this series in the Sermon on Mount, Jesus rescues us from bad religion, and today I want to make sure we understand selfish living, that actually Jesus steps into bad religion, and he begins to write things through a relationship with him. He also frees us from ourselves to live selflessly, to, to live with an open-handed, open-hearted posture. Amen? So let's turn to the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 6, we're going to pick up and uh, 
we'll be looking at the first few verses here. Verse one, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. I wanna pause right there. Jesus is laying out for the disciples what it means to be a part of a a covenant relationship, a covenant life, uh, what I'm calling kingdom living, that there's this God that says, I'm going to covenant with you, I'm going to walk with you, and here's what it means to live for me. And in this first verse, he's laying out the fact that there are three things in the coming verses that he's going to cover that have to do with how we live and why we do it. He's going to tackle giving. He's going to tackle prayer and fasting, and we'll be looking at the other two in the weeks ahead. Here, as he talks about giving and what that means as a part of our living, notice what he says next. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Can you imagine if somebody during our tithe and offering moment as they gave blew a trumpet? Like we'd probably have a little bit of a reaction, right? We'd have a little bit of a response. But there were people that were literally wanting to put on a face and wanting to be known and receive recognition. And so it was this bragging about what they were doing publicly so that others would approve and others would give them let me modernize it for a minute, the likes, the hearts that they want. It's not that this was just them. We do it today, don't we? Where we want to make sure we get credit, where we want to make sure we get the approval and the likes for what we have done. Notice as he goes on what he says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. If you're taking notes, the first thing here is when I am first in life, then my giving and reward is limited by me. You you see, if my life is all about me, Jesus is saying, and and it's about me getting likes and recognitions, and, and then I'm limiting my reward and the approval of others as, as the, the bottom line with what I might receive for my giving. Here's what we have to understand. Jesus wants us to realize who he is, that he's unlimited, that he wants to unleash generosity on us because he's so generous. And when we begin to do that, life begins to take on new vibrancy and our reward is not limited to us and what we can handle makes sense of our control. It begins to move from being life-draining to life-giving. Can you say life-giving? You see, we were meant by God who is life-giving to be life-giving. And in that place to not do it for a motive other than worship of him and trust in him. For some of us, it's also a move not just from being life-draining to life-giving, but moving from scarcity to generosity, from scarcity to abundance, believing that, yeah, you and I are limited, but he's unlimited. So when I begin to take my hands off of the things that I'm trying to control and hold, and I say, Lord, it's all yours anyway, God can begin to not just pour through me, but begins to pour in. Now, as you think about this text and what it means that some of us may be having to have a heart check, you're going, okay, well, why are we talking about this on a mission Sunday? Well, it makes a lot of sense. You have to be a giving people to live on mission. And and Jesus has to free us. Jesus, do you know, in the Gospels, one out of four of his teachings had something to do with money. So if Jesus taught on it, you heard me say this, we're going to teach on it. Because it sets us free to live the life that he's called us to. Now, there's something that we also have to recognize is they maybe had strings attached to their giving and wanted an award, wanted the reward from others and that recognition. There's a thing in our world today that you may have heard of. It's a phrase called the prosperity gospel. And it is incredibly dangerous because it actually 
tends to teach this idea that two plus two equals four, that actually if you give, you'll receive. And and the problem with that is it promises health, wealth, and happiness. When Jesus promises righteousness, peace, joy, that in the face of anything, whether it's what we want or don't want, he's there and that's the greatest gift. And, And so I wanna make sure we understand that yes, he is our reward. But that reward may look different than what we even, and and here's the thing, if we really trust him, then we trust that what he wants to reward us with, we didn't even know we needed. And it's that much better than what you and I could have came up with. Amen? Amen? So the next bit that I want to, well, actually, first, let me share this quote with you uh, from N.T. Wright. He's a theologian, and on this section of scripture, he says this. Jesus wants us to be so eager to love and please God that we will do everything we should do for his eyes alone. For his eyes alone. That our giving of our time, our talent, our treasure, our gifts is for this audience of one. And this leads into what I need to make sure we understand as far as the theology of giving. We're going to be talking about this, not just over the next few weeks, but in the months and years to come, Lord willing, that that actually if we understand this, everything else begins to fall into place. And it's the idea that God is first, that he goes first, he loves first, and then leads us to actually out of that give. So let me show you how we know God is first. It's the preeminence of Christ. It is the reality that he is first, has always been first, and always will be first. Amen? John chapter 1 is just one of the places that we see this. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word meaning the logos, it's a reference to Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Can you say life? Life. And the life was the light of men. If we're talking about life giving, it's important to know where it all began. It begins with the fact that Jesus is first. If you're taking notes, again, God is first. He loves first and goes first with life giving. I'm going to break this down. John 1, we just heard that God is first, that he always was, is, and will be. Part of our problem here on earth is we place us first. And and it's that shift to say, God, you are first. That isn't just a one-time decision to receive Jesus. It's a daily battle. Anybody? To, To say, not my will, but yours. God, you're first. And so because he's first, part of it is an invitation for us to make him first in our life. And because he's first, we begin to worship him as preeminent, as sovereign, as all-powerful, omniscient, over all. And that posture then begins to impact our hearts in ways that show up in how we live. So God is first. You say that with me? God is first. God also loves first. Let me show you this in Romans 5 verse 8. But God shows his love for us. That in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you and I didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. That's grace. The reality was we're all sinners in need of a savior. Foot of the cross is the most level ground. All of us come to the foot of the cross and find the gospel good news that God is first and that he loved us first. That he loved us enough to send his son to demonstrate real love, to say, I'll give it all for you. Like, that's life giving. That's whole life. Here's my son who will live 30 years, three years of ministry, age 33. He dies on the cross, resurrected three days later. The power of death and sin and suffering defeated in his resurrection. He then offers you and I resurrection life And says, when you receive me, you're receiving the fact that I am first and I loved you first. And that love begins to invite us into not just eternal life, but kingdom living. And what it means that he is life giving. Let me read to you John 3.16. 
Very familiar verse for many of us. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That is really good news. God is first, he loved us first, and he gives us life first. That's the starting point today. Some of you are are sitting here and you've been around church, you've been around religion, and your next step is to say, what do I believe about that? Do I believe that Jesus is the son of God, the savior of the world, the Lord, and wants to be Lord of my life? That he actually laid down his life that I could receive life. And our greatest invitation to you today, whether you're online or in person, would be for you to say that I believe in Jesus and receive him first and foremost. Because that's the life he's giving for you, to you, and then wants to flow through you. And so if you've never received Jesus, let him be your starting point today. Later on, whether you're on the chat or in person, uh, we would love to pray with you to receive Jesus and to allow him to be who he wants to be in your life. So, so let, let's go back to that point, And I want you to just see it one more time. God is first, loves first, and goes first with life giving. Do you see it? It's throughout scripture. And we will continue to lean into this, as I said, Lord willing, for months and years ahead. Because if we get this piece right, everything else begins to fall into place and make sense. When we put him first, when we receive his love first, when we receive that life from him, we can't help but begin to be who he's called us to be. Amen? So uh, as we consider that, I want to share with you one more, a couple more scriptures. One is actually John 10, 10, and it says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Some of you are sitting here because you have been noticing that there is something wrong in our world, maybe something wrong in your life, and you're trying to figure out what's going on. There's a thief. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to show up in our homes. He's going to show up in the neighborhoods. He's going to show up overseas. He, the enemy, is waging a war. Ephesians 6 talks about this. The principalities and the powers, the the way that the enemy works to try to rob us of the life that Jesus wants to give us. Even now, like some of you are distracted and you're like, it's my ADHD. It could be, or it could be that there's something else trying to distract you and to keep you from receiving what God has. Not from me, but from his word. Because his word is life-giving. So look at the second part of that. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. This is what Jesus does. He steps in and says, not only will I give you eternal life, but I'm going to give you abundant life. I'm going to give you a life that is different than anything the world can offer you because the world will offer you stuff that will fall flat, fail you, and cause you to wake up the next day and wonder why you just did that. Anybody? Too, Too honest? Somebody like, you just, how'd you know what I did last night? (laughs) Jesus brings a life that is so much richer, so much greater, so much better. And it's that abundant life that he invites us into. If you're taking notes, uh, the last point that I want to make here is Jesus is life-giving so that we can be life-giving to all people in our pathway. And that's our church's mission, right? Is to love God and love all people in our pathway, to receive the life of God, and to be life-giving to all people in our pathway. As you think about what that means today, I got a gift to give you. So excited. I feel like Oprah right now. Like, I'm not telling you to watch her, but there's something under your chair. No, I'm just kidding. There's something on the screen. There's, there's something on the screen. Seriously, we're giving something away today. Uh, I've been so excited about this. Uh, if you're here this Sunday online or in, uh, in person, um, Ramsey Plus is an online system that has Financial Peace University. It has free tax software. It has Every Dollar, their budgeting app. It has many other courses to help you be healthy in your discipleship with finances. Because, and, and here's the deal. For you to receive that on your own is $160 minimum per year. 
It's yours today for free. Our church decided that we're going to be a Ramsey site licensed place, so we get to give it away, and that's, I believe, the heart of God, right? He goes first. So, so we want to give this to you today. You can go to that link, and you can receive this resource, which is absolutely free and is there to help walk with you. You'll hear more about it in, in the weeks and months ahead because we'll offer you know, a full class on site in, in early 2024, but we wanted you to get started today because here's what we know. For many of us, money is the hardest thing to talk about. It's often the hardest thing to understand what scripture talks about and says, and we wanna resource you because we know he's life-giving, and if we do things his way, we're going to be able to live on mission and be life-giving. Amen? Um, so please, access this today. Uh, you can actually share this with others even. Um, <laughs> you can. We just want to help you. We want to help our church. We want to help our community. And you'll be hearing more and more about that. So, yeah, I'm more excited about it than you. But that's all right. Um, there's a story in scripture. It's one of the most famous, uh, in all of literature, it's one of the most famous stories, actually. And uh, it's actually what we would call, many would call the Good Samaritan. And I want to I finish there, because when we think about life-giving in our pathway, this is a really powerful interaction that Jesus had that I believe was trying to rescue a young religious young lawyer leader from himself, that, that he was so caught up in wanting to be recognized and wanting approval that here comes Jesus trying to rescue him and teach him what it means to actually allow God to be God, to walk with him in a way that says, not only do I love him, but I'm going to love others. Uh, let's pick it up in Luke chapter 10, verse uh, 25. It says, and behold, the lawyer stood up to meet, to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law and how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. Now, if the story ended there, we probably wouldn't be talking about it right now. But, but at some level, I think he had what Jesus had said in Matthew 6. He had a little bit of a hip, hypocritical face. He, he had an outward-facing desire to receive approval and recognition from Jesus for who he was and, and the things he was doing. And, and I love how Jesus always gets down beneath the surface to the heart of the matter. And he begins to expose like what's really going on and what he really needed to do to be right with the Lord. Listen to what he says next. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest, so you have a religious leader, was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, who's another religious leader, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, I'm going to just pause right there because none of you have ever walked around or driven around anybody else, have you? I mean, I, I read this and I get convicted because it's like real life sometimes facing us that, that we might even choose a different route to avoid somebody. This was what Jesus was talking about, is to trust him enough that your neighbor is whoever he's putting in your pathway. Wherever you live, you didn't choose your neighbors, most likely, but God knew. He knows who needs to be around you. He knows what he can do through you and how he wants you to see him. And what's interesting is we see next, it wasn't the religious folks that got it right. It was a Samaritan who there was a literal divide between Samaritans and Jews in this day and age that was religious and deeply divided ethnically in a way that for the Samaritan to be the hero would have really perked their ears. It really would have woke them up. So let's see what it says. 
But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Can you say compassion? He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So this Samaritan saw him, blessed him, gave very generously of his resources and what he had. But he goes even further. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, y'all, that one scares me. He's like, hey, put it on my credit. Like, open credit line, whatever he needs, you take care of. We'll settle it up later. I mean, that is a life-giving generosity, isn't it? He says, uh, verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy, and Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The Lord has called us to be a people that love him and love others, that receive the life of God and are life-giving to others. And as you heard earlier, my daughter and I got a chance to travel with compassion to Uganda, and I want to just show you a few pictures uh, from our trip to illustrate how this played out in our life. First picture here, this is actually one of the funniest moments on the trip. Uh, this, we're, we're going out to the, the tour van, and we're getting ready to go. We're in an Entembe near Kampala, and we're getting ready to go to the village. And uh, this young man comes out of the lobby of the hotel, pulls me off the van, uh, says, will you come off? And uh, I didn't want to because what they said as a group was, uh, hey, you look like Matt Damon. Can we get a picture? Now, uh, you know, I, I obliged, and uh, then he asked for my WhatsApp, and, you know, I just, it kind of got odd. I'm like, you realize I'm not him. Like, I, I might be the Walmart version of Matt Damon, uh, but I'm not him. Uh, so it's super funny moment, and uh, then we get into the villages. This is a picture of us having lunch with our sponsored children. On the left is Jotham, uh, who our family sponsors, and on the right is Venetia, uh, who my daughter Hannah sponsors. Such a gift to be able to, to have lunch with them, and we thought that would probably be it that day, and, and yet they had planned more. Let me show you the next picture. Uh, we went to Jotham's home. This is his home. And uh, we were able to actually, in the next picture, enjoy uh, quite a bit of time that afternoon with a translator, getting to know the family, talking to them, hearing about the, the six siblings that Jotham has. He's the youngest. Uh, mom and dad are sitting there, and they were such gracious hosts. They were so awesome. Uh, shared with us their heart for their family, their kids, uh, the, the farm that dad ran, and, and that's how he fed the family. Uh, it was just so amazing. And uh, we had brought a gift uh, to give Jotham uh, for being, you know, just being on site. So here's my daughter giving him uh, this backpack that uh, just had some little toys and things that they recommend and hygiene things. And, uh, you know, here we are thinking, you know, that we're the givers, right? And uh, it was really neat the next day. This is the picture at church uh, where Jotham showed up with it and uh, came to church the next day, just blew us away, touches your heart, right? So cool. But, but I got to tell you, it, it wasn't that that touched our hearts probably the most. You know what it was? It, it was when we were actually leaving Jotham's house, we'd got onto the van and they asked us to get off again. And uh, this time it wasn't for a Matt Damon picture. It was because they had actually prepared. They had three boxes, large boxes of produce stacked that they wanted to give to us out of what they had to say, thank you for loving our child. Thank you for loving our family. They gave of their best to us and we just sat there doing nothing else but having hearts just touched and receiving what they wanted to give. It was so amazing. As we got to know Compassion in Uganda, we kept hearing story after story of the local people decades now of locals that had been so touched and had been raised up that they were now serving as a part of compassion. Incredible leaders living on mission for Jesus. 
And we're so blessed that one of those is here with us today. That actually, uh, Nora, if you'll come up. Nora uh, is, a, is from Uganda originally. She lives uh, today in Maryland with her family. And uh, she, has, she was a compassion child that has such an amazing story of how God works and blesses. And I just want you to welcome her and then hear from her. So welcome. So good Thank to have you. Thank you so much. Good morning, good afternoon. Okay, <laughs> good, good afternoon, church. I'm so privileged to be here, and I want to say thank you to Hannah. Actually, my daughter is also called Hannah. I want to say thank you in a special way to Hannah for choosing to change the life of a child, and Pastor Brian, too. But why I said thank you to Hannah is because a 20-year-old in 1994 changed my life. Amen. I come from Uganda. I was born in a family of six children, and I'm the sixth child. My mother is from Uganda, and my father was from Rwanda. I was born at a time when the country was at the height of civil conflict, where so many families suffered the socioeconomic consequences. To the urban poor living in the city, like my family, the consequences were dire. My mother was a hairdresser at one of her friend's salons, and her job highly depended on how safe the city was at that time. On the other hand, my father was a soldier, and he served in the Rwandan army. But because of the nature of his job, he only made occasional trips. And I remember as a child, all his trips were made memorable. My father was a very, very good father. He only made occasional trips, so we only got just a few times to see him. But even when he came, you could feel that dad is there. As time went by, his trip stopped, and the support started to dwindle. And that was because of the civil conflict in Rwanda that led to the 1994 genocide. I'm sad to tell you that my father and his entire family were killed in that genocide. Life took a terrible turn after the death of my father. My mother could not take care of all the six of us. So we all dropped out of school because my mother could not afford taking us to school. And I stayed home as other kids went to school, which deprived me of my self-esteem and self-worth. I saw my brothers serving at building sites at a very, very young age. I can't tell you how many times we got kicked out of the house because of lack of house rent. So the fear of growing up illiterate and homeless were the most terrifying things a child can ever go through in life. For us at home to have a meal was a miracle. There were so many nights and days that passed and we had nothing to eat. And I remember one time I woke up very hungry because we had not had a meal the previous night. So I woke up very hungry and I decided to go see my mother at her workplace to tell her I was hungry. Even if she had forbidden me from crossing the road to go to the market where she was working, I decided to go there because I couldn't bear it. I was very hungry. And when I went there, I told her, Mom, I'm hungry. I was actually crying. My mom just looked at me and didn't, she just continued with whatever she was doing. And the lady she was working on asked her, you mean you didn't hear her say she's hungry? That's when my mom dropped everything she was doing and started to cry. I saw pain in my mother's eyes as a mother. I'm a mother of three. When my child asked me to give them something to eat, I give it to them. My mother had nothing, and that broke my heart. The lady was very touched. She gave her some money to go buy her something to eat. But before she left, she said, have you heard about Compassion International? My mom said, no, what is compassion? We had never heard about compassion. So she explained to my mom what compassion was. And she told us to run to the church where compassion was. It was actually in my community. There was a church just near our house. And she said, let's go there and try to see if they can register Nora. The first thing I asked her was, will they take me back to school? She said, oh, yes, that's what they'll do. They will take you back to school. So we ran to that church. Let me tell you, my friends, in Uganda, it's very common to chase chickens. So getting out of that saloon, you would actually think that we are either chasing chicken 
or something is chasing us, but we were just running to that church to get that opportunity of me to get into the program of compassion. When we reached there, the first thing I felt was love and compassion. I was so dirty. I didn't look nice. A poor child looks so dirty. They don't look clean at all the times. But a lady ran to me and hugged me and asked me, would you please like to have a cup of porridge? I looked at my mother and asked her, how did they know I was even hungry? So I said, of course I'd like to have a cup of porridge. So I went, I got my cup of porridge, and let me tell you something. This is a story I always tell my children. This was the best meal I ever had in my life. That even as I speak now, as I tell this story, I still feel the taste of the porridge I had in 1994. It's so hard to believe, but yes, you'll always feel the aroma, the taste, and I can still feel it now. That's how precious that porridge was. It was made out of cornmeal, but it had milk. I grew up thinking that only children from rich families had milk. So for me to have it in porridge really made it so precious. Anyways, I had my cup of porridge, and actually I had two cups of porridge, and after having my two cups of porridge, I went into a line that changed my life. I got registered as one of the compassion-assisted children. My life never remained the same again. I got enrolled back into school with all my scholastic materials paid 100%. I never, ever, ever got kicked out of school ever again. After a few months, I was, even if I was in compassion, I was getting all these things like any other child because that's what compassion does. It makes you feel so loved. You don't have to fill the gap that, okay, I don't have a sponsor, but I still have all these things that are giving you school fees, they're taking you to school, your family is getting something to eat, but there's always a gap. You don't have a sponsor. I did not have a sponsor. I could see my friends reading letters from their sponsors, having all this love from them, and I had none. But let me tell you what, God blessed me. After a few months, I got my own sponsors. She was a young college student, a 20-year-old. She's now married, so it's Jeff and Bonnie Mori. She chose to sponsor me and changed my life. Bonnie always wrote to me letters and told me, Nora, we love you. You're special and you'll make it. You don't know what those words mean to a poor child. No one had ever told me they loved me. I didn't know that I would even make it. I didn't believe in myself. But just for one person to always write that and remind me made me feel so special. I never felt poor again because I knew someone out there believed in me. Someone out there loved me. Someone out there knew I was going to make it. And indeed, I did make it just because of those words. Hallelujah. Being in compassion, the gospel was introduced to me. We didn't know Jesus Christ in my family. Even if the church was just next to my house, we didn't know Jesus Christ. But coming to the compassion program, I got to know Jesus Christ. And I, amen, thank you so much. And I always went back home and told my mother of the good news, of all the stories we had at the Compassion Project. And I always told her, oh, mom, we learned about this. Oh, we learned about this. Oh, we learned about this. And one time, I remember the pastor was preaching about forgiveness. And I remember that's the time I gave my life to Jesus Christ. My pastor said that if you do not forgive, you will never be forgiven. So I told myself, who am I not to forgive the people who killed my family? I forgave those people. And that's the time I gave my life to Jesus Christ, when I was 11 years. But the gospel went on, and I remember one time the pastor still saying that in Jeremiah 29, 11, only God knows the plans he has for us, and those plans are to prosper us and not to bring us any harm. So I went back and always told my mother of that great news. One time my mom told me, hey, Nora, I want to come to your church. I want to learn more about Jesus Christ. My mom started coming to church. All my siblings started coming to church, and they all gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And I want to testify and tell you, because of that great gospel, my brother and sister are pastors back in Uganda, just because of that great gospel. Amen. 
I'm now a special education teacher. I went to the university in Uganda. I did my social work and social administration, fully paid and sponsored by compassion. But it was just because of one person who chose a packet, just like these ones. She told me she was at a church. She chose a packet and chose to change my life. I came here, I fathered my education, and I now give back and advocate for children with special needs, and I am a special education teacher. Let me tell you one thing. When you sponsor a child through compassion, it's not just the money you give for them to go to school, to have Medicare, to have um, nutrition and supplements. No, you are sowing a seed that introduces Jesus Christ in that child's life and in their home and in their family. Amen? I pray to God so much that I meet my sponsors because I only wanted to say thank you. Only that because there's nothing I can give them. It's only prayers. But I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And guess what? God answered my prayers. In 2021, I got to meet the 20-year-old who changed my life, and I met her just to say thank you because she changed who I was, and I am here because she gave for me to be here. God bless you so much. It's amazing how life-giving our God is, isn't it? And to hear just in Nora's story how a 20-year-old made a difference without even knowing that years later she would be doing what she's doing, touching lives, and that they would get to meet. You know, it's interesting, when you think about what does it mean to be a part of a multi-generational church, uh, it's a reminder that God works in every generation, across generations, and globally. And so it's an invitation, whether we're young, to go, God could do it now. God could use me now. Or whether we're older, I won't say old, <laughs> we're older, to say God could still use me to pour in. For our family, it's made a huge difference. Uh, it's something that, you know, obviously we're moving towards a place of asking you to consider this. And, and I, before I get there, I just want to show you uh, one next step question for today. Will you let Jesus be life-giving in and through you today? And what I mean by that is bigger than compassion. Because again, for some of you, your first step is to realize Jesus took his first step towards you. And he's ready to give you life today. He's ready to say, hey, you thought it was about religion. You thought it was about attending church. And I want you to know it's about knowing me. And I want to give you life and life abundantly. If that's you, again, whether you're online or in person, see one of us, talk with somebody. We want to pray with you that you could take that step. For others of you, God's been speaking to you that it's time to begin to loosen the grip. To, to not do it for any other reason than he is first. And he loves you first. And he gives you life. And so what will it look like for you to allow God to begin to flow through you? The impact that sponsorship has, we do have hundreds of kids, all from the Uganda area, that are here and in need of sponsors today. On the screen, we have uh, a link. You could use the QR code or the link. Uh, if you're online, this is available for you. Uh, if you're here in person and you prefer to do it that way, you can use that and you can sign up right now. Uh, if you come forward and receive a packet, I just want to encourage you, like, Trust the first one you put your hand on, right? It's not a buffet. We're not picking and choosing. These are children. These are lives created in the image of God. And so whichever one trusts that God knew the one that your family needed. I want to encourage you whether you, you know, if you have kids, for our family, it's made a huge difference. There was a moment when uh, my daughter Hannah was younger where she kind of came alongside mom and dad and said, hey, we're sponsoring a child and you guys... Never write him letters. And she started picking up the slack for mom and dad and writing letters. The act of praying, giving, and writing letters is so significant in what it can do. So we're gonna give you this space to respond 
Uh, If you need prayer, we'll be available on the wings, but we'd love for you to consider. Listen to the Lord. What is the Lord inviting you to do today? Is it a child? Is it multiple children? And we realize some of you in the room, you already are sponsoring children, and that's awesome. Pray that others would do the same, amen? If you'll stand, we want to pray over this moment. I think compassion would want you to know that uh, two things. If you do take a packet, don't leave with it. You're going to fill it out. We have a station in the back. We have a cafe station. We'll help you. You need to turn it in today. If you were to take that packet home and not turn it in, that child will be out of rotation for six more months. So we don't want to do that for any of those kids. The second thing I think Compassion would want you to know is they have an 80-20 rule. Uh, At least 80% of every dollar goes directly to the church and the child, the church that's affecting the child. Uh, Last year, their number was 83%, uh, but their rule is 80%. Isn't that good? So you can trust what's being done with these resources. And I can tell you, I got to see it firsthand. Uh, I've actually been to Uganda with compassion. I actually went to Nairobi with compassion about 10 years ago. It is the real deal. So be life-giving. Receive life, give life. That's our call today as God sends us to be his hands and feet. Amen? Uh, If you're comfortable, um, I just think it would be fitting. Let's just open our hands. And let me pray over us. And then we'll worship and praise and pray and these packets are all available. Father, we love you and praise you. We open our hands symbolically just asking that our hearts, our minds would be open to you. Father, you know not just those with open hands, but you know those that are up here in need of sponsorship. God, you are sovereign and your spirit leads and directs and orders steps. I pray that you would Help us to hear your voice and to connect to you first and foremost. Father, as we put you first, show us what it means to be life-giving. I pray that we would be obedient to whatever our next step is. Father, we pray that whether it's sponsorship by Pathway or by others, that every child represented up here would find a sponsor. We thank you. We praise you. Be with us now as we worship you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to worship him in song. You can come forward for prayer. You can come forward and let's sponsor some children. Amen.